Happy is a hard word. <laughs> Tony, I jumped the gun by about a half a second. Is that going to be okay? Rock and roll. Zero, 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 zero. Zero. I shall mute my microphone and let you get on with it. community for all users of Linux. This is episode 357.5. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Joe. Hello. Tony Hughes. Hi, guys. Josh. Hey, how you doing? Moss. You betcha. Bo. Hey there. And Mike. Hey, hey. I think we're one less than a full house. Awesome. We're recording on Sunday, March 21st, 2021. In our inner section, we answer the question, what's missing? And dive into the world of Arch. And finally, the feedback and a couple suggestions. And we'll head down to the Linux innards. All right, so we got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, I had a uh, I had a idea for a Linux innards, but I wanted to post it to everybody, especially those of you listening, because yeah, you know, we we talk mostly about Mint, but that doesn't exclude. Um, us from talking about anything else, right? I mean, we, we talk about all kinds of stuff on here. So I'm curious. Gnome 40 is a big departure. Well, okay, maybe not that big, but it's it's a departure from previous versions of Gnome. Uh, what, 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 what? Gnome 40? 40, yeah. For, for, for 40? They went from three. Where, where's the other 36? Listen, <laughs> I think they, they just did a lot of coding and rev that version. Like 36 times. No, they just got rid of the. the they dot. went from 3.38 and just got rid of the three point and went to, to 3.40 and said, okay, it's 40. Yeah. You missed, a, you missed a lot during all your long walks around the UK, Tony. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and so, what I wanted to know about GNOME 40 is because it is a bit of a departure from the previous versions of GNOME. Is there any interest in covering it on the show? Like, because uh, we're about to do this Endeavor thing that we used for a couple of weeks. Do we want to do a Gnome 40 I don't. dive, deep dive Ooh, thing? Do I want to suffer? Yeah, do I, I want to? Or I'm not sure. We? <laughs> Only if we all install Fedora. Hey, okay. don't, yes. don't threaten me with a good time. I <laughs> yeah. will do that. I would, I would go with that. I would, I I would love definitely me some Fedora. I've taken Fedora off my Inspiron three times now. And so. Moss would have to suffer through Anaconda again. Ooh, I do hate Anaconda. It's it is not, not my favorite, bad. but I feel like it's intuitive. I feel like it's, you just click all the buttons. Exactly. You just you go know, in, it's do your thing, and come part. back out. It's that it's that very beginning where you have to choose the discs and it, they have it kind of like off in a weird corner of where like how you I, know, I just don't like it. Don't oh, know. the the done button. I do think that yeah. should change. Put it where all the other next buttons go because it basically means next. Right. Exactly. Come on. Hey, that's better than the Debian installer where you've got a continue button down there and you hit hit continue and nothing happens because they wanted you to double click on something else. Ugh. Yeah. So th- they're. Can we, can we make a yes or no answer to this instead of going for a 10-minute 
to round the houses. Yes. Okay. My my <laughs> vote is yes. Yeah, my vote's yes. Sure. Ooh, that's three. Oh, we'll give it a go. Ah, yes. Tony said four. All right. There well, you go. Yeah. That's Mike is five. Moss, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to do it. Uh, you know what? You know what, Moss? If you want, I'll miss that you can do it on Endeavor. <laughs> you know what? You can take any distro you want that includes GNOME 40 out of the box and no. just go with it that way. We'll have Moss be the control. He can install GNOME 40 onto Linux Mint. Well, as I posted Ooh. in the show notes, Ooh. I'll wait for Pop OS to fix it first. Mm. Ah, I see. Yeah, Papa's good. I mean, they what, what they do to GNOME, I think, is actually pretty good. So definitely. I can see that. Well, we'll convince you some more, Moss. Sounds like it's something that we'll, that we'll pursue. Anyway, we had another question, too. Uh, Dylan Berger asked, what one feature would you ask to be added to your daily driver distro? And I think for most of us, that's probably Linux Mint. But if it's not, you know, what, what is your daily driver? And then we'll, we'll answer that question. For me, after install, Linux Mint takes out um, Gparted. And I can't for the life of me think why, because I use it all the time. And it's, I know it's only an app away, but, you know, an app install away, but it's just a little bit annoying. Yeah. And, that you've got to go and. And it's in the live ISO. I mean, just. Yeah. That's what, what I mean. What is it a whole. They, they take it what away. What is it a whole two megabytes after. to just put it on the disk after you're done? Yeah, I can see that. I can't think of anything. I mean, yeah, I do install Gparted. Usually it's one of the first things I install, but that's like saying I also want, you know. X to go install. I'm just going to install it myself. When Dylan asked this, I was working on a review of Ubuntu DDE Remix, and uh, Ubuntu DDE was so close to perfect for me with a couple bugs I still need to iron out that were pretty big ones. But if they had added what Bodhi has where you can click anywhere on the screen to bring up the menu, it would be perfect for me. I, so for Ubuntu DDE, I'd say that's one thing it could do mm. just Ubuntu DDE turns into uh, Moksha in one feature. Another one that I'd uh, in, uh, like in the ISO to stay in afterwards is TLP. Because oh, when yeah. you're on laptop, let's, let's face it, mo most of the new computers sold these days are laptops. And as a battery saver feature, TLP is fantastic. Well, oh, TLP, absolutely. TLP, uh, doesn't TLP come installed now with 20.1? When I was setting up my XPS last night, I went to go install TLP, and it was already there. Ooh. Oh, right. Oh, the, they've already answered that yeah, one. So. <laughs> well, it doesn't, it, well, it doesn't I, matter, I just Tony. go and get Slimbook battery anyhow, so uh, that that brings TLP in with graphics. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter anyway, Tony, because that was two, and the question was one, you're disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, for my part, if... if, if Clem were gonna add, were if I were to ask Clem to add anything to uh, to Mint, I don't have much. I guess maybe to add a Plasma desktop environment option just so I could try Ooh. it. But oh, really... bring it back! Yeah, yeah, like me, I like me. I'd ask for a Moksha desktop, uh -huh. but not to replace Cinnamon at all. Just as another option, just like Mate or XFCE. Well, you could simplify the whole process and just have an ISO and you choose your desktop environment. I love that. That'd be great. Ooh. Now we're getting a little bit too much like Arch here. Oh, <laughs> uh, for me, you know, I think I, I use Plank a lot. Uh, I don't have it on the desktop that I'm on right now, but on my uh, on my main machine, uh, I do. I install Plank and put the icons off to the left-hand side. I mean, 
very much like the way that Ubuntu puts it together, right? I mean, icons on the left, you got information on top, and that's that's really all I need. And I need it to get out of my way. That's the whole point I do that, uh, the whole reason that I do that. Um, so actually, it wouldn't be, this This wouldn't be a, a request to Cinnamon or, or Linux Mint. It would be a request to Plank. When you hover over an icon or you right-click on an icon, don't give me just the name of the window. Give me a preview of it. So in Linux Mint, when you hover over, say you got three windows of Firefox open, when you hover over it, it gives you the window previews so you know exactly which one you're talking about. You don't have to lean just on the name itself. And when you highlight it, it will come to the front so you can see it and before you click on it to, to actually bring it into focus. If Plank would do that, uh, I would stop having this crisis about, well, I don't want to go Plank because I, I don't want to lose that ability and... You know, but if I do uh, keep the icons in the cin- uh, in the cinnamon launcher, then um, uh, then they have to be small because I want it to be small and out of the way and all this stuff. So I- I'm kind of swapping back and forth between the two. So maybe uh, I could just maybe cinnamon needs a launcher like Plank. Maybe that would be what I ask the Linux Mint team. Give me a Plank like launcher. And, uh, and I think that would make me happy because then I would, I, it's already built in the, the little, uh, preview features already built in, but you got something or are you going to run? Arch? Yeah, no, I, I was going to ask this. <laughs> I, I was waiting for an opening to ask this question. Cause I don't remember. Um, but I'll tell you something that annoys me about distros, uh, and, and Archie's guilty of it. Um, distros that have VI installed, but not VIM, not Vim. And I, and I don't remember oh. if mint is one of those, but. VI is like typically kind of a default, but like how different, how, how much more space is it really to install Vim instead of VI on Well, hold on. Which one do you want? Do you want, do you want Vim, Vim Tiny, Neo Vim, Vim Athena, Vim GTK3, or Vim Knox? I just want, whenever you type in apt install (laughs) Vim, (laughs) whatever that one is, that's the one I want just on every, everything should just at least have that. That should just be the new default. So it's it's always painful if I have to VI into anything, but you know I'm 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 okay to do VI. What's the difference between VI and Vim? Uh, Vim just has like sort of my color properties and things that I like. What's that? Ah, the answer is there's VI and then there's VI improved. So the difference is it's improved. That's a very good answer, <laughs> but, Jay. Yeah. You know what? I guarantee you there are some diehard VI fans that are like it's oh, not improved. They made it worse. I work with one. I, I work with a guy every day that refuses to use Vim, <laughs> and he uses yeah, exactly. VI so for everything. <laughs> yeah, they definitely exist. Um, yeah, I don't know. My my editor of choice is uh, Nano uh, in the in the terminal. So mm, yeah, I guess it doesn't bug me one way or the other. Don't worry, I'm there with you on that one. Yeah, ditto. Yeah, I love Nano. All right, so so Vim by default. That's cool. Okay. Who did we miss? Who didn't? Who didn't say anything? Did we all say something? Uh, I didn't say anything. Ah, uh, what, what do you want? What do you I, want, Josh? Um, what do you want? I want something that's probably He's too, just too tall pleased with everything. <laughs> I'm very pleased <laughs> with it. Yes, I, there's only one thing, and it's every single desktop has this issue with multi-monitor having to having to set everything up just how you need it to be. I want there to be some sort of way that it can somehow just work. <laughs> It's a you know, very tall order, and I know it's probably never going to happen, but it would be it could. really nice. What were you going to say, Leo? Well, I was just going to say that I think a lot of that stuff is scriptable, so you might be able to make it portable. If probably. you ever get it right in, in a specific uh, desktop environment, I mean, you can probably steal the configurations from wherever they get saved and move them to new machines. 
if you oh, can yes, get it I to could. the point where it works perfectly. And that would only yeah. work if you were using, you know, the same size and resolution TVs and the same or screens and true, true. the same number right. of them every time. So that way when right. you moved one to a location, the setup was correct. That's the problem right. is the differences well, in all the hardware that gets connected to said device. Right. No, I totally understand that. It's just I, I have to like go in and I understand where you're saying where you can get the um you know the configuration file and all that, but I have to go in and just like type in, you know, like 405, move the screen up that much or whatever, and then it'll move it. And then you got to, you know, figure out where your mouse, if your mouse goes over and it's exactly in the same spot, it's not like three inches up from the other monitor going across. And I just want a button that, you know, goes, that is, detects your other monitor, detects, you know, that it's, I mean, I know you need an accelerometer in it to detect the way it's positioned, but I I just want a button you can press and it just works. Yeah, I was thinking about this. It, it takes forever for me to configure it. I actually had this thought the other day because the way my monitors are set up, I always have to, I always have to switch them. So I have two identical monitors, so I don't really have the, uh, the being off by the resolution problem because they're exactly the same. But, um, you know, when it, the way they're plugged into my graphics card, because one's using HB, HDMI and the other's using DisplayPort. Oh it, yeah. The OS thinks they're backwards, and so I always have to log in and switch them. And uh, I was thinking about this. How could they know? How could two monitors know uh, where they are in relation to each other? And I wonder if this could be done, you know, now the way they have the daisy chain technology with DisplayPort. I wonder if we could ever get smart enough, or maybe it exists. I'm just not aware of it, where the monitors can tell that they're next, where they are in relation to the next monitor in the daisy chain. And then that magnets, man. (laughs) Magnets, yeah. That somehow gives information to to your OS. So you can tell the you might would be able to you might would be able to have the technology where the monitor can tell that the next monitor in the daisy chain, but it wouldn't know where on the desk they are in relation to each other. So I'm telling you, it's, have it's to find a way to do that. It's I, magnets. I don't think this is like a 30 year thing. I think this technology is uh, is around the corner, maybe. Yeah, it's it's tomorrow and it's magnets. <laughs> okay, I'm 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 bought in. <laughs> I'm I'm investing heavy in magnets. <laughs> Just one button you can press and it would just set up your monitor on one side, set it up on the other side, and you'd be done. Like, even if you had to tell it what side it's on and just yeah, it sets it up. The command will be detect mon dash magnets. That's what it'll be. <laughs> I'm all in. Uh, invest. All in Vim. Invest. All right. Well, that's all of us, I think. Right? Right? Yeah, I think so. So, um, all right. We have one last thing that we're going to cover in the innards, and that is uh, Endeavor OS. We had this question essentially, which was, can Endeavor OS be as good as Linux Mint? I mean, is, is that right? I mean, because th- that's, that's kind of the idea that I went in this with. Like, what, what do I have to do to make it as minty as possible? Or is it even possible? Or would you want to? Or, you know, whatnot. But yeah, can, can Endeavor OS with Cinnamon be as good as Linux Mint Cinnamon? Is it better? Can it be better? I don't know. So, Joe, you're up first. What, what, what did you find? Well, the first thing that I really, really want to say is um, I run Arch. By the way. Um, By the way. In case you didn't know, I run Arch. I installed Endeavor on the 7140, which has been my go-to now for a while for installing and testing distros. Um, it being a tablet, I did assume that there would be some vagaries from right out of the box. But um, I do want to say it installed easily enough and big surprise the keyboard and touchpad worked like a charm, and I didn't have any disconnect issues 
that I have with a lot of other distros, including Linux Mint. That's going to be a kernel thing, you think? Uh, it, yes, uh, I do think it would be a kernel thing, or um, it's an issue with how and when the modules load and dump. Yeah, it's worked perfect. With Linux Mint, when you have it hooked up, sometimes if it's coming back from sleep or um, if it's sat for a while, um, the keyboard and the touchpad will just stop working or just the touchpad will stop working or just the keyboard will stop working. None of those problems came up in Endeavor. Um, I also used it to play Plex videos, which is one of the tests I do when I'm setting things up along with YouTube videos which is something my 7130 recently has been having issues with due to the overhead involved with Plex. Uh, so yeah, I was a little impressed with that. I was able to install Chrome from the AUR and it was interesting for me to figure out how to get things installed. Then I, I made my life a little bit easier by um, installing flat packs and using app images where possible. And those both worked uh, really well. The first problem I had was in setting up the screen rotation. Linux Mint has that built right in where you can just go in and turn it on and it'll start working. Sometimes you have to do some fixes, but um, not often. Nothing would happen when I'd rotate the screen. And also I noticed that while it did have the uh, Bluetooth radio button, it wouldn't see any devices and it wouldn't do anything. And, and then I realized that despite the icon being there, there was no Bluetooth involved. And it was the same thing with the uh, screen rotation. Yes, the button was there to turn on screen rotation, but screen rotation wasn't actually installed. So um, I, I did some research, found what needed to be installed for both of those, and um, installed using Pac-Man, which is another fun thing to get used to, considering I've been you know, using apt for forever now. But did install, did work. Bluetooth worked fine. Rotation worked good. Um, it, it feels a bit nostalgic having to dig dig up the different ways to fix things. But I do understand that the concern comes from this particular um, operating system when it comes time to run updates. I, I did notice that updates were popping up fairly often and I was installing them. And I didn't have any problems with that, but um, you never know long-term. I assume with Arch that sooner or later an update's gonna break something. Now, the next tool I tested was SSHFS. It worked great, it wasn't hard to install, and since I'd already learned all the commands, um, and installing from an AUR, this different subject, because you can install SSHFS using Pac-Man, but installing from an AUR isn't difficult either. Um, back to SSHFS, I didn't set up the automated connection and reconnection on internet connection because the um, if up, if down are tools specifically built for Ubuntu. But I did uh, create some aliases to automatically connect, or well, not automatically, but aliases so that I could just, you know, type three or four letters and either connect or disconnect the SSHFS mount. And that, that's working real well. I tried to set up an executable for it that ran in terminal, but um, I, I know I've had this issue before and the issue is to like run a while statement afterwards. But as soon as you kick off that script, it does do the connection. But then as soon as the script ends, it basically gets rid of everything it did. So the, uh, the file mount automatically went away. Moving on, I was able to get X2Go working, which was a 
bit of a chore, and this is where um, things did start to get interesting. Um, I had to go and find all the dependencies and the library files and everything like that and install them one at a time instead of it automatically happening. But I was able to get it installed, and it works really well, client and server both. Having the server set up was especially helpful um, when the tablet was charging and I have was doing other things at the same time. I was able to view it from my main computer where I was working from and get back to it and just type out whatever commands I'm doing right then and then move back to whatever else I was working on. Um, now, the AUR of Chrome, the annoying thing about that is it's listed as out of date. And but it's only been out of date since the 14th, so not that bad. But I'm still waiting to see when it will get that next update. But um, yeah, all I've seen is the AUR for Chrome, and that's working well as of now. All that being said, the next thing I did was I set up to mount an external micro SD card as a downloads folder, which more than doubled my space, um, tripled my space actually as I'm only using a 32 gigabyte M.2 SSD on the inside, but I um, have a 64 gigabyte micro SD. But the problem comes when, it, when I'm trying to install AURs directly from the downloads folder, because you can't install an AUR from a symlinked location. So I have to move um, the file that I download to my, well, usually my uh, desktop and then install from there. But because of how limited the space is, I do have a swap set up. Uh, there's only like nine gig of space on my internal hard drive. So I have to be very, very careful with what I install and what I put on the desktop. And then I have to go in and delete as much as possible. No surprise, app image worked fine for standard notes, but app images do take up quite a lot of, or can take up quite a lot of space. Here's where I had an issue, and I was going to ask Bo for some advice on this because I don't know the proper way to set it up, and I couldn't get the libraries working properly. I installed Steam, and but I had to set the uh, folder for downloading and installing games to download section um, since that's the only place where I really had the space available. I did turn on Proton to test things out and tried to install um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, but I couldn't get it to work. Um, streaming worked uh, well as well on this device as I've seen it work on others. Um, during still frames, it was very clear and good looking, but with heavy movements, there was a lot of artifacting and pixelation. So also insta installed Torchlight 2 like three different times. It does have a Linux native version and it also wouldn't play. I had tried turning off uh, Proton and uninstalling and reinstalling and it still wouldn't play. Then I did some research and found out that I was back in um, dependency hell. It's in a libraries issue, and I was trying to install or pull in these libraries and get them in the proper locations, and it just never worked out. A lot of them just weren't available for install, and I couldn't get it working right. So I did install the Flatpak version of Steam and tried that out. Um, but it still wouldn't let me switch the library to the downloads folder. I did reinstall Torchlight one more time and it still didn't work even using the Flatpak version of Steam. So I don't know if Bo has any suggestions on how you get Steam working in Arch. 
So it's funny that you use the term dependency hell. Did you see the Glorious Egg Roll article, How to Get Out of Wine Dependency Hell? Um, no, I actually don't remember that one. The, the that's I follow that article every time. So um, it's a real it's a real article. I'm surprised that I'm. It's just funny you use the term that he uses in the title. Um, but uh, basically, he he walks you through the process of installing like every wine dependency um, possible, just in like a few commands. Even with the Linux native games, I still couldn't get things to work because libraries were supposedly missing. Yeah, and that's because uh, Steam requires some like lib32 libraries that you have to make sure that are installed. Um, yeah, those are the ones. And you're you're running this on Endeavor, correct? Yeah. See, this is part of the reason I gave up and just installed Arch um, because I was running into problems like this and I was looking up solutions and they were out there. But I just felt like, well, I've done this before in the past without using Endeavor and I didn't run into these problems. It just felt easier to me to just give up and do an Arch install. So that's what I ended up doing. But so I don't I don't I don't know that I have like a direct answer. I'm sure if we if we looked at it long enough, we'd figure it out. But so your answer is don't run Endeavor. <laughs> that's what I chose. I'm not saying it's right for everybody. I think in my case, it had a lot to do with NVIDIA and compatibilities between NVIDIA and Endeavor. Um, are you also on an NVIDIA card? Uh, no, the 7140 has the, the Intel drivers okay. because it's, you know, a system on a chip. So it, processor and graphics. It could be a sim, it could be a similar thing than with the Intel support. I, I really don't know. I couldn't say firsthand, but the dependency. Well, that SOC is ARM, isn't it? That would probably require different libraries. Yeah. That's what I was about to point out. Well, the 7140 might actually be ARM. I know like the 7130 actually has an i5 processor in it. I, and I, I think, let me look at this one because, yeah, it doesn't have the i-series in it. This has the Core M. Okay, well, that's still an Intel chip, so it should be okay. I put the link to that article in your section of the notes. I'll take a look at that. Thank you. And that's all I have. Uh, Tony? I already had in, uh, Endeavor installed on... Uh my little Toshiba Z30. Uh, I talked about it briefly on the last episode of Distro Hoppers. It's the only way I've managed to get Arch to work so far. I did try vanilla Arch at one point, but after the initial install, I couldn't get Wi-Fi to work on the laptop that it, I was installing it on. And I, at the time, I didn't have the patience to figure it out. And that was around about the time when Endeavor had just first come out so i tried that and it worked when i installed this i used the uh, iso and the net install option so i was able to choose the mate desktop as my preference of uh, desktop environment which it has been since the demise of gnome 2 all those years ago the installer's dead easy to use uh, and getting everything up and running was fairly easy. I even managed to dual boot with Mint 20, and that wasn't an issue. Although after the install, this is a, an issue that I know Moss has had. You, you do get a very funny grub screen with uh, a couple of uh, options for Endeavor, but then loads and loads of options for any other operating system, in my case, Mint. Uh, and there was about 10 entries for Mint uh, on the on the screen. Now, I know why they do it. It's to give you options to boot into different kernels and stuff. But on most uh, distros, this is in a drop-down menu if you want to go to one of the alternate kernel installations. 
but not on Endeavour. They're all there and you can't collapse them. After I got everything up and running, I thought, I'll go along and I'll try Snap, get Snap installed so that I can uh, download one of my uh, favourite apps that's dead easy to install using Snap. It took me ages to figure out how to get SnapD done. Uh, At first, it kept uh, refusing to do it, but I did manage to get it installed eventually. But now I've just read on the wiki that Snap and Flatpak are still work in progress. So um, I'm not sure whether that means they're a bit hit and miss, but um, it's not exactly worked for me, Snap. I've just tried uh, to install GetIA Player again outside of snap and even in the aur it's saying that there are uh, packages that are missing so it won't install it so i'm going to have to try and get the uh, snap working at some stage after we talked about uh, audacity and the fact that it updated to 3.0 i thought right i'll go and install that the only uh, version it had was 2.4.1 uh, and that, even that's not the latest because I think it's up to point four, uh, 4.4. In the uh, YouTube chat, uh, London has suggested uh, trying the AUR. So I've got the little laptop next to me. So I've flashed it up. And uh, while you guys have been talking, I even tried the AUR and it's still not doing it. Still only 2.4.1. So uh, no go there either. Obviously, Endeavour's a little bit behind. Uh, in some of the packages that it updates. I don't know whether they've been a bit more conservative than mainstream Arch, but, you know, it might take a while before it comes through to Endeavour. But that's about it for me. Oh, one one final thing. Uh, I didn't have any problems with updates, even when I left it for a a couple of weeks without firing it up. But um, I do know in Arch, if you don't update it on a regular basis, you are risking it breaking. So I wouldn't... uh, risk leaving it more than three or four days, maybe a week at most before you upgrade. But Moss, what about you? The answer to Leo's original question is no, but I really like Manjaro cinnamon. (laughs) I had the same boot problem as I mentioned before and what Tony was just talking about. It creates multiple boot entries for each of the other distros on the hard drive. And no matter how many times I clean it up using Grub Customizer or anything else, it creates more, although fewer than it did the first time. Usually what you're using the most often, it creates the most uh, line entries for. If they are options, as Tony just posited, they surely don't give you any information on why each line exists. They all look identical to me. I posted some screenshots to the Telegram group and maybe to the Discord group as well. LXQT desktop here is a mess. I try to use a different workspace and the screen goes blank blue with no controls. Sometimes I can get it back, sometimes I can't. And sometimes the system just locks up. So I switched to Budgie. I wasn't expecting to see a GNOME footprint for the menu icon, but there it was. The bottom taskbar from LXQT was still there, but it was not functional. There are a lot of really nice touches, but the paper cuts are bigger than the successes. I managed to get all my few games installed, but when I changed desktops, Budgie couldn't even find things I'd installed using LXQT desktop. I knew they wouldn't be on the taskbar, but they don't show up on the menus. I couldn't finish two days with Endeavor and installed something else. How about you, Josh? I feel kind of the same way. I had kind of the same issue as you did with the applications after they installed. I couldn't find them. Well, at least one of them. It wouldn't show up at all one time. And that was just in one install. I installed it again and it showed up. But 
that was kind of weird they had the same kind of issue. Yeah, I, I definitely found out that Endeavor is not the Linux distro for me at all. Yeah, I installed it on two of my computers. Uh, my one is an HP Stream. It's got a dual core 1.1 gigahertz uh, processor, 4 gigabytes of RAM, 32 gigabyte eMMC storage. And I also installed it on my desktop, which is uh, has a Ryzen 5800X with 16 gigabytes of 3200 megahertz RAM and an NVIDIA 1650 Super. My PC is not a slouch um, by any means. It's not the best, but it gets the job done, definitely. As far as the HP Stream, on both systems, I didn't have any problems installing it the first time. I, I had no problems As far as all. the HP Stream? I think we lost you right there. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep, but I no, lost you at okay. the same spot, so. That's weird. I don't know what's going on. And your, um, your low end is, is it's getting cut off. Oh. Okay, I don't know why. So just just yell be... at us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> I installed it on both systems with no problem at all um, first time. But uh, the HP Stream, for some reason, I, I was trying to get the GUI version of Pac-Man, P-A-Mac, or PAMAC, whatever you want to call it, um, to install. And I first I searched for on the um, on the AUR, and I couldn't find it there. But then it was under... Um, Oh, sorry. No, no. I tried to install it, search for it um, in the Arch repository, and it wasn't there. But then I searched for it using Yay, and I found it. But there was like 25 options to choose from. So I just picked the first one and was hoping that was the one. And after like 15, 10, 15 minutes of this thing installing, which it was freaking forever, I finally got it. And then I couldn't find it in anywhere. I couldn't find it in my menu. I couldn't find it on the terminal. It was just not there. Seemingly installed with no problem. I got no error or anything like that. So at that point, I tried to reinstall it. So I reinstalled Endeavor. I mean, the whole operating system. I reinstalled Endeavor. And this time, for some reason, it didn't give me a, an option for to change my desktop. So I just, I just installed it, whatever. I didn't care. And the default desktop is XFCE. And I'm like, I really didn't want this. Uh, so I reinstalled it again, and that time I did get the option, and I installed Plasma uh, this time, and now that time, everything seemed to have installed, and I could get it to work, but that was the first step I needed it to happen to be more like Mint, because you need a software installer like Mint has, at least, to, to be even close to what it is, and yeah, I was just having issues, and not to mention it took forever on that computer to uh, get that installed. My other desktop was another story because I didn't have any problems installing. That was once once and done. I got uh, Pomac installed. That was fine. And I installed Steam. Again, no problems there. But my games would not run very well at all. I got a lot of stuttering. I got a lot of screen tearing. I went into the NVIDIA settings. I, I messed around with that. Um, I finally figured out that game mode is not installed by default on this, so I had to install that, and that did get rid of some of the issues, but not... You, you know nothing's not installed tearing. by default? Come on! Well, it's Endeavor. I thought maybe they'd have some stuff. No! It is the base desktop environment, and then everything else is your responsibility. Ugh. <laughs> well, anyway... Yeah, it was just not like the screen tearing thing. I just don't understand why that was happening because I, I have G-Sync monitors and 
I never have that issue in any other distro. This is the only one I've ever had screen tearing issues with. And I, I went to the NVIDIA settings and I turned everything on. And I even went into the config file and I turned it on and still didn't work. So that that was just a game breaker for me because I can't stand when my screen is tearing all over the place. And I'm trying to play these games. I just couldn't, I couldn't get along with it on either of my systems. So... I just installed Mint on my desktop again, and that's what I'm running now, and I'm not going back to Endeavor ever again. <laughs> and that's that's basically my whole thing with Endeavor. Um, yeah, I mean, take it or leave it, but uh, I didn't like it. So yeah, uh, Mike, there's, there's just a there's just a lot oh. that you've got to do to it on like on purpose. <laughs> Every when you when you're messing with Endeavor, you have to have a purpose in the first place. Otherwise, you're going to end up in that situation where. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's not there. Oh, yeah, that's not there. Yep, that's not there either. That Yeah, so it, it's just one of those deals. I'm not the guy to say I'll never go back to it again because I check it out every six months or so. <laughs> but uh, so far, I'll it's had the Arch, same problems endeavor. each time, and uh, they should fix them sometime. You know? Have you posted it as a book? Yes, I have. It won't fix. <laughs> Mike. Yes, sir. Yay, what you got? Notes. All right, so... I won't even bury the lead. I absolutely loved Endeavor. If, uh, what? if Linux Mint were to go away tomorrow, I'd probably switch right over to Endeavor. I installed it on a really, really junky computer. Uh, this thing is hot garbage. It's an Asus Vivo book with an Intel Celeron N4000 processor and four, gigabyte, uh, four gigabytes of RAM on the box. It's actually like more like 3.6 usable. And uh, that one also has 64 gigabytes of eMMC storage. Uh, because my specs are so low, I installed, I use the XFCE desktop, which, I mean, let's be honest, that's, it's the cornflakes of desktop environments. Pretty boring, but I was able to make it look nice. Um, the installer went okay. Uh, while I was going through the install, it said that my computer doesn't meet the recommended requirements, but it can install anyway. That wasn't a big surprise. My computer barely meets the recommended requirements to be considered a computer, so... <laughs> Um, I went ahead with the installation. Everything seemed fine. No issues. I rebooted and it came up immediately. When I installed, I just, uh, I didn't bother to dual boot. I just did a nuke and pave and put it on there alone. I used a traditional swap partition with no hibernate. And uh, the install took me about 10 minutes or so. I like the installer. I like uh, Calamari's. It's pretty, pretty nice and uh, better than Anaconda, that's for sure. Going from Debian base to Arch base initially just made me feel like it was my very first day on Linux again. As soon as the, the desktop pop, uh, popped open, my very first thought was, how do I do anything at all on this? So I, I spent the rest of the night RTFMing and uh, watching some videos. Shout out to Jay the Linux guy from Learn Linux TV. He, uh, I watched all his video series on the AUR and Pac-Man and uh, felt okay about it. So I really like Pac-Man, but I really love Yay. The AUR is is really great. So yeah. uh, for you know, for for example, like when I install Brave Browser on on Mint, it's you, you can't do it on your own. You have to go to their website because you need those wget commands and the echo commands and whatnot. It's you know, it's a little bit of a process. You have to enter, I think, four commands to get it on there. But with uh, with Endeavor and with Arch, it's simply just yay dash s brave dash browser, and it's on your system. It's it's great. I don't really I don't intend to get rid of it. I've been using it still every day. It's it's not my daily driver, of course, but uh, I like it. I, I like it a lot. The only thing that was a bit surprising to me was just the sheer volume of updates. I mean, with with Mint, if I get maybe a dozen per week, that's probably a big week. 
but on uh, on Endeavor, it was like a dozen a day. Every, every time I, every day that I booted the machine up, I had at least ten or twelve updates waiting for me. I didn't bother with any universal package managers. I already know how to do that, so I just used strictly Pac-Man and uh, and Yay. One cool thing that I found out about about uh, using Yay and the AUR is that you can actually update your entire system just from from Yay. So rather than uh, going through and doing Pac-Man first, if you just do yay dash capital S-Y-U, it'll go ahead and look for updates for Pac-Man, for AUR, and also for the Endeavor OS as well. So you can kind of get everything there in, in one shot, which I thought was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so I liked it. How about how about you, Leo? What'd you think about it? Um, you know, I don't know what to say because it's it's not bad. It's actually pretty good. Um, you know, the the one thing that I would actually really just worry about um, that, that I'm still worried about because I haven't really seen, you know, I just have, I haven't seen anything break is, is the cinnamon because they, they run on top of, uh, you know, cinnamon from Git. So the stuff that is experimental and is kind of in the beta stages, um, I mean, that's what you're running on desktop wise, but you know, I haven't seen any really game breaking anything at all. The, the worst that I've seen is on their little welcome thingamajig screen button thing is sometimes when you hover over the buttons, they'll just like, they'll go invisible and not, not just where you can't see them, but to where you can see through to the background. I don't know what that's about, but I have seen that in Linux mint as well. So it's, it's a bug that has just been, uh, you know, crawling around in there for, for a long time, but I've seen it more on uh, Endeavor than I have on Linux mint. So you know, not not game breaking at all, and really, it was that one application that I that I saw it on. So I, I really can't even consider that a bad thing. Just I don't know why it's weird. Everything else, I, I really tried to get the Linux Mint experience. What I couldn't find in the AUR or in well, I guess it wouldn't be in the AUR, but what I couldn't find in the uh, in the repo is the Mint Y theme, and that doesn't really matter because you can get Arc, which is very similar to Mint Y. So I uh, I just went with Arc, and it I mean. Quite literally, it looks like Mint to me. The only thing that I didn't do was go through and install the Ubuntu fonts and you know, convert the whole uh, desktop environment over to the Ubuntu fonts. I think it's it's like um, Sans Serif or something, just the most basic font that you can get onto it. Um, but I, I did. I, I went whole hog. I did Warpinator uh, from the AUR, Web App Manager from the AUR, and Hypnotics from the AUR, and I just try, tried them all out. Uh, Warpinator was great. I, I moved files from this desktop that's on Linux Mint to Endeavor through Warpinator. So that's fantastic. It works fine. Web App Manager, I hooked up Twitter on it. And Hypnotics, I just picked some random channels and watched for a little bit. And so, I mean, I don't know why those would be not working, but they, they worked fine. They, it, I got the full-on Linux Mint experience there. Um, I, I know y'all were talking about Steam and how it didn't work. And I'm I don't play a lot of games on this laptop. This is not really a laptop built for that. It's an i5-5300U, uh, so gaming is not its strong suit. But I installed some simpler games on it. Uh, Retro City Rampage, which is a native game. Uh, I expected that to work, and it worked. So, you know, nothing special there. But I did install uh, Brawlhalla as well, which is it's kind of like uh, Super Smash Brothers, and that is a Windows-only game. So I, had, I installed that through Steam Play using the Experimental Proton. Uh, I didn't go, you know, crazy, like uh, use Glorious Egg Roll or anything like that. The Steam Play worked fine for that game. So uh, I, I installed that, and I didn't run into any issues there. So I, I played, uh, I think I played Retro City Rampage for maybe an hour, 
and Brawlhalla probably just a couple matches, so maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and everything worked fine. I, I was very impressed with how easy it was. The, the, what I didn't do anything special other than install Steam through Pac-Man and uh, you know install those games just by double-clicking on them, hit install. Uh, so nothing special there, and I had a, I had a great time. Um, from the AUR, I installed a handful of things. Uh, like I said, the, all the Linux Mint stuff was from the AUR, uh, the Brave browser and the Edge browser. So with uh, Web App Manager, I I set up all of uh, well, I set up Twitter through Brave, and uh, I installed Plex through Edge. So Edge has this uh, button that you can press that will install any application as you know the same way that Web App Manager works. Um, so I installed Plex that way and that ran fine as well. So, um, I don't know that I, I didn't run into anything. I, there's other than the little invisible button issue. That was it. I, uh, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it other than you have to set everything else up. Like in Linux Mint, you are given a fully functioning thing that has all of the little buttons and, and, uh, you know, LibreOffice Writer, if that's your thing, it's got the Web App Manager already installed. Um, you know, just the, the things that that you expect to see on a Linux desktop are already there and installed. But that's just not Endeavor's MO. Like they are here to give you an up-to-date package base, let you pick your desktop environment, and from that point, you're meant to cobble together exactly the system that you want. They're not going to step on your toes and say, ah, you know, I think you need LibreOffice or I think you need SoftMaker Office or whatever. Uh, they don't make those decisions for you. You're meant to go and through either uh, the community repos, the Endeavor repos, or the AUR, you're meant to go get your own software. But I, I did try to embrace as much as I could the Arch idea. So I did not install any app images, no flat packs, and no snaps either. Everything that I ran was either from the community uh, Arch repos or from the AUR itself. And everything is fantastic. The, the only real thing, and Mike, this kind of goes to your point of how easy it is to install Brave, is that now there's a middleman. And that feels weird to me because with Brave, yes, you do have to go and set up the repository, add that, add the key, it, refresh your, your packages, and then install it. Yes. And that is a pain. But after you get that done, you know, you're always up to date and everything else. With the AUR, though, and we were talking about this with Audacity, because Audacity, at least uh, when I do a Pac-Man SYU or a, or a Yay SYU, it does not install Audacity 3. I'm still on 242. And, you know, I'm under the impression that these are the re real Arch repos. These aren't some secondary repos that we're pulling from. This is not Endeavor's repo. This is an Arch repo pulling Audacity, and it is not current. Flatpak has the current one. So, you know, the point I'm really trying to make, I guess, is that you are fully dependent on somebody out there that, that their job is not to do this. They just do this in their free time. They go update that package. So if you had a Brave update, and you know, web browser is one thing that I don't mess around with. If I'm about to use a web browser, I'd like to make sure that it's on the latest version because new bugs are coming out every single day. One thing that I didn't put in the security update simply because it would have taken way too long is there is now a working exploit for the Meltdown and Spectre uh, flaws that are in CPUs. And it's not difficult. It is a, a flaw that exists in 
Chromium-based browsers. Oh, no. Who would have thought that you can leverage one of the biggest, scariest, stealing informationists bugs through Chrome? That, that is the only working, real, live, in the wild, actual type of exploit that you can get Meltdown Inspector to give you things like passwords. And you can do it through a browser. So anyway, point is, I want the latest. Because if there's a mitigation for it, I want it. And the, uh, the, the real point is that I'm having to rely on a third party to make sure that the packages that are already out there are also in the AUR when I update and want to get on the web. So it's that, it's that extra middleman that makes me feel a little bit uneasy about the software that I have. Not necessarily just that it, it could be old, but also that there actually just exists a middleman that could add stuff. And, you know, this, this argument is kind of moot toward Endeavor or toward Arch because people install PPAs all the time, which gives them the same type of uh, control over a system. So that's... that's it's it's just an overarching, you know, be careful what you install kind of stuff. And AUR is just like a PPA in that people can put anything they want to in an AUR. And as long as you trust it enough to install that software on your system, you're essentially giving them, uh, yeah, maybe not root because you don't run yay as root. And most of that stuff gets installed into your particular, um, into your home folder or wherever. So it has less access. But I mean, unless you're really diligent about putting files that are secret, not in your home folder then, you know, you run the same kind of risk by installing stuff through the AUR. So not that it's bad, just that it gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies when I install stuff. But overall, I mean, I had a really good time. Leo, I, I, I have you yeah. tried Manjaro? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I, I, it's the same it's thing. It's not the same thing. I, it I, works. And it is. The, no, the, no, the main mean, difference is with I, Endeavor, I, you can install whatever uh, desktop you want. Whereas with Cinnamon, you pick a desktop either from the official or the community editions. But Manjaro Cinnamon works, and it doesn't have any of the problems that I have with Endeavor. No, I get that. I mean, there, certainly there are bugs in everything, especially with the hardware that you have, and it's different and everything else. But, I mean, to me, when you look at it in a how-does-it-work kind of way, Endeavor and Manjaro are extremely similar. So, yes, I get that the installer could be different or that the way that Manjaro does things or that the way that they, they ask Grub to deal with your different partitions or whatever is, is different and could cause issues. I get that. But once you get it installed, it's all the same. Like, yes, Manjaro makes it easy to install Flatpaks, but, I mean, really, how hard is it to, if you're already on one of these Arch derivatives, right, how hard is it to just go in and add Flatpak access or something like that? Or how hard is it really to install the Manjaro like themes or something on Endeavor. Um, you know, if, if you're brave enough to go to Endeavor, I imagine you can probably Google up how to do that kind of stuff. So I get it. The, the installers aren't the same and, and they're not going to present you with the same exact experience. But I mean, it's the same. I mean, it would not matter to me one, one iota whether I was running Endeavor or Manjaro because the only difference outside of versioning is Manjaro waits an extra week or two to give you those particular packages. But if you're installing from the AUR, you don't get that weight. You know, the AUR is the AUR. Um, so it's really just the Manjaro packages that they that they give you through Pac-Man that, uh, that you would be waiting on anyway. So uh, it's it's the same. Honestly, I would rather be on Endeavor, man, because if, if they're just going to give me those packages, give them to me. Just let me have them. 
throw them in my face, and if it blows stuff up, then, well, I guess I should have had a backup, right? But hey, remember, I wrote that script. <laughs> I have a backup. I can, I can back up super easily, and I can move things around with, uh, with Warpinator. So, I don't know. Um, it's the same. Manjaro and Endeavor, they're the same to me. Uh, I don't really think uh, one would really break more than the other outside of, you know, you're just getting the software quicker in uh in endeavor than anything well, from else. my viewpoint i've kept manjaro on my system for up to 10 months and i haven't been able to keep endeavor on for more than a day or two right but i mean it, if i heard correctly that was mostly because of the way that it installs and no there, it kind of stuff stuff there in that are three vein, or right? four I mean, different what? major paper cuts i mean paper cuts the point of a machete uh <laughs> but that's one of them yeah yeah, well, I mean, uh, so you mentioned the LXQT desktop too, right? Is, isn't that right? Yeah, I've tried the different desktops and whatnot, but, you know, Manjaro sets up with a nice little cinnamon if you get the cinnamon community edition, and I never have to change anything. I mean, it, uh, other than your usual uh, using uh, Yum or Pamac or Pac-Man or whatever you want to use, it's all there the same. Yeah, but the things work. I don't know why Endeavor won't work. I've tried it on... Five different machines now and never gotten it to work for me. That That's weird. I mean, it, it installed for me first time. When, when I logged into Cinnamon for the first time, it looked, I mean, outside of the font, which I get, and the icons, which, again, I get, it's it was exactly the same as Linux Mint. And, you know, I went in and threw on some transparency. You know, actually, you know, I take that back. I forgot to write it down. But one thing that I didn't get, and I'm sure it's some random package I need to install, but I don't feel like Googling forever to figure out what it is, is in... Uh, GNOME Terminal, I cannot turn on transparency. It just doesn't go. Like, there's no option. There's no checkbox to check. It doesn't, like, I don't check the box and then it doesn't work. Like, the checkbox is not there where, you know, I'm comparing, I'm literally looking at Linux Mint and I'm looking at Endeavor and Linux Mint has the checkbox, checkbox, but Endeavor does not. I don't know what happened on that one. I don't know why, but it doesn't. And that was kind of annoying, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't stop me uh, or anything like that. So, you know, Moss, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what is the cause of your issues, but I didn't have any of them. I agree with Moss, though. I, I see how they're similar, but I've had a better experience with Manjaro than with Endeavor. And um, for me, it goes back to this driver thing that I was talking about earlier. With Manjaro, they have a like an automatic hardware detection uh, thing built in. And um, you can you can run a command that will just find your appropriate drivers and install them and, and even configure them in some cases. Um, and so I think I think there are a lot of cases where Manjaro is more polished. That being said, that's that's kind of is a step away from the Arch experience of having to yeah. kind of walk through everything yourself. So Endeavor is that, maybe a league closer, you know. Yeah, that that I think is a big distinction to make. Is is that. When I when I approach that, when I approach Endeavor and Manjaro, I try to put on the Arch helmet. Mm-hmm. So in Manjaro, I avoid Paymac. I don't I don't handle any of my package installs that way. I don't see any 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 reason to do so. Yeah. Simply because most of the stuff that I'm trying to get anyways in the AUR, and what does it matter? You know, I, I guess I could just search it in the box, but I could also just yay SS thingamajiggy whatever you know my thing. Yeah. And, and install it that way. And I mean, that's how I did everything in Endeavor. It, it never occurred to me once to install a graphical installer for my packages. Yeah, yeah, I would never. I Honestly, I don't even use that much in Mint. But the, uh, the I was going to say, too, I have the Minty theme installed. Um, I found it. It's They have the Git version and the non-Git version on the Arch user repository. Oh, do they? I totally yeah. just missed it. I searched wrong. 
Um, another thing I wanted to point out is, uh, so a few of you guys mentioned updates and I think one of the keys, uh, to using arch is like update, 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 like always be updating. If you're, if you're on your PC, go ahead and just run an update because you probably have updates and you'd rather get a few of them now and something break than to wait a month and get a hundred of them and then something break. And then you don't know which of the hundred it was that broke. Um, and so probably number one tip to probably any rolling distribution is to just always be updating or just use ButterFS and roll back. You can always roll back if you use something like ButterFS. But then you have to actually manually set up ButterFS. Now, I guess if you're diving into Arch, you might you might have a uh, have an easier time figuring out how to do that. But <laughs> yeah, but or, with Cinnamon, I mean, with with Mint, you still have to do it as well. I mean, unfortunately, oh, yeah, there's of course. no buttons, yeah. just press. And Mike, I wanted to say that uh, your Yay uh, tip that you can just run uh, your Yay um, updates, and it actually will do your Pac-Man updates as well. I actually didn't know that. I never. I've been using Arch for a long time. I'd never known that. As a matter of fact, I've been using Arch. Uh, I used to use Yowert. Yowert used to be what everybody used instead of Yay. Now everybody's migrated to Yay because I think there was something wrong with Yowert at some point. Um, but uh, so that's really good. That's really good to know because if you do it the opposite way, you can, it, I always try to install with Pac-Man over the AUR, but the AUR is really nice to have for things that you just can't find in, in Pac-Man. It, it's, in, it's like almost always, like 99% of the time available in AUR. Um, but if you do it the opposite way, so you do your your Pac-Man updates and then you never go do a Yay update, then whatever it is you installed via the AUR will never get updated. Um, so I, I don't know that that's actually true because I did a, a Pac-Man SYU and it did ask me. So with Yay, it just does all the things. But when I did a Pac-Man SYU, it asked at the bottom, do you want to install or check for AUR updates or whatever? And then it went through the process and, and updated those for me. Well, there you go. That's really nice. Well, there you go. Yeah, I so my my experience. I like. I want to say that I, I don't want to sound negative on Endeavor. My particular use case didn't work out, and I'm sure that there was a solution to my problem. Um, I just I was just already experienced with you know installing Vanilla Arch, we'll call it, um, and uh, I already knew what that process looked like. I'd already done it on this hardware, and I just didn't want to jump through the hoops of solving my problem. And, and when I knew that this would work, and so I just did that. I think in the case of my laptop, for example, where I'm not running a graphics card with crazy drivers or anything like that, I think it would just install fine and it would probably be faster than doing a vanilla Arch install. Um, and so I think Endeavor is a valuable tool. I think it's a good thing to introduce them to the Arch world, um, but it's designed to kind of work for like a mass use situation. They're trying to cover as many bases as they possibly can in one ISO. Whereas Arch is very minimal and then you build what you need based on your situation. And so, you know, it's, it's just the, honestly, the Endeavor approach is harder. It's harder to design something that's going to work for the masses and not, not break for like half the people, you know? Um, so I think it's a good thing they're doing. I hope that it continues. Um, and uh, this was a lot of fun, this project, because I had kind of stepped away from Arch for a little while and uh, I'm not planning on reforming my desktop. I'm going to do this again until until I realize something's broken and then I'll give up again. But for right now, I'm living in the honeymoon. I'm having a good time. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I'm, I'm in that boat where uh, I, I tended to avoid Arch. But, uh, I, you know, honestly, I think the biggest thing is that I just have this laptop is a little more free now to do this kind of stuff. And, yeah, I don't, I'm, it's going to stay here. I'm, it's not going anywhere. 
Uh, and I'm going to see how long it takes until Arch decides to take a dump on me, <laughs> which may be never. I have no idea. Uh, I've never really run it for more than about 60 days. So we'll see. Uh, Mike, you also mentioned uh, the Learning Linux YouTube channel. I actually, this time around, I followed his, uh, his video for my installation process. So that's, that's a good resource. Yeah, I love Jay. I, I've been watching his videos for a couple years now, and uh, I, I just think he's so smart. He has books, and uh, I like him a lot. He's, I, I watched his whole AUR series, I, I, which I think had actually just come out a couple days prior to us installing Endeavor, so very timely. He has uh, yeah, I, Linux Mint videos also. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I totally just winged the AUR. Uh, hadn't blown up yet. Did you guys notice, though, when we, like, when you actually, when I first started getting into Endeavor, it, just how... Debian and Red Hat focused the Linux world is when you go to a website. Like they always have instructions oh, yeah. for installing for Debian or installing for Red Hat, but nothing ever for Arch. Well, I think the idea is hold on. No, I think it. The Arch Wiki, though. I mean, come on. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that's a monster, and you use that everywhere. You don't just use it for Arch, but yeah, that is a major, major resource, and almost everything links back. To the Arch Wiki, I think the big thing there is that you know if you're running Arch, you're expected to go figure it out. No one's gonna give it to you. Yeah, there's no hand holding at all with Arch. Another, you know, but uh, it is it is important to say how like Matt, like how important the Arch Wiki is because uh, just like Joe's saying, I use the Arch Wiki for any Linux distribution. Even you know, obviously there's certain things you look through it and you're like, oh well, I can't run Pac-Man on CentOS. But uh, there's been times where I've needed to look at the dot rules files, um, you know, on CentOS because we changed a MAC address and didn't change and it didn't set correctly whenever East Zero came up. And you know, I found the solution to that actually on the Arch Wiki because they're just so thorough that Wiki that Wiki is. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the big one for me is um, xconfig. Anything I need to set up in xconfig, I'm yeah, going to the Arch yeah. Wiki. All right, executive decision time. We got to move on. <laughs> all right so um uh yeah yeah that'll do it for our endeavor thing if you like this let us know because uh i had a good time doing it uh we might want to try this a little more often but either way let's head down to vibrations from the ether feedback get your feedback here Henrik Hemrin on 354.5 on the Mintcast.org website said, uh, thanks for decoding the Joplin Notes app script for installation and update of Joplin. I tested your additional suggestion to run the script in Mint startup applications, but for some reason, the script does not kick off, nor any sign of it in system log. I haven't tried it as a cron job. I may, but on the other hand, I don't want it to start or run when I use the application. It's quite simple now and then, oh, to, to, to run it now and then run the script manually. I like the Joplin app more and more. It works well across platforms, encrypted, sync works, and I also use Markdown when noting. Again, thanks for looking into the script. I, I do wonder about that one uh, just simply because running something in the startup applications is equivalent to running it manually by yourself. So if you run it manually and it works, it probably works in the startup apps, but it just doesn't give you any feedback. Huh. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to know uh, what's going on there. But either way, you're welcome. Uh, Henrik mentioned again on 355.5, uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge about free used and so on regarding RAM memory usage. The reason I started to dig into this was for low-spec laptops, uh, 2 gigs of RAM or less. And yeah, totally, it makes a big difference at, at that point. 
Uh, I plan to update my blog post, both the text as well as graphs and some new tests, hoping plans come true. This laptop is a low-priced, low-spec laptop with Win 10 pre-installed, but really the laptop manufacturer should be ashamed. It soon became basically impossible to update Win 10 on a 32-gig drive. Yep, there was a bug back then where if Windows 10 couldn't uh, couldn't fit the update, it would just erase your crap. And yeah, and even then, <laughs> and sometimes then, it still wouldn't be able to install because it took up too much space. I do remember, what, two years ago, we had some major conversations about a lot of people switching to Linux specifically yeah. for this. Yep. So Henrik continues, a bit like Mike in this episode, this triggered me to finally try and install Linux, something I've thought of doing almost since Linus invented it. The laptop that was impossible for its original Win 10 was easy for Linux Mint, or easy peasy for Linux Mint and others. No problem to install and update, and the 2 gig RAM is okay for simple tasks. I never intended this laptop to be my main machine, but for some additional purposes, it is just fine. Yep, so... Absolutely, for all the feedback and for all of our responses, you're welcome, Henrik, anytime, right into us again. Uh, next up, Joe, you were taking this one? Yeah, um, this is from Brad Alexander. It says... And I will interrupt you about 12 times. Just go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Okay, it says, uh, <laughs> Dear Leo, Team Joe, for the win. That's <laughs> wrong. Can Sorry. You say no. that again? Can I... Team <laughs> Joe, for the win. For the lose. Uh... Yes, yes. Nah, he's got <laughs> yes, right. for the win. <laughs> Team Tony. Everybody used to be on Team Tony here. Uh, I'm liking this. Team Joe for the win. All right. The word is pronounced Damon with Eamon. a long A. Mm-hmm. Take it from mm-hmm. the gray beard sis admin. As Tony Tiger told Shaq, you're so cute when you're wrong. Just like tack instead of dash. And okay, you're just I mean, I, I, for Jerry Blue Switches. Okay, I, I, this, is, this is it. You done triggered me. It's gonna, we're going to be here for 10 more minutes. All right, listen. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, it's tech. It is demon, and it's not tech. It's you want to know, it's you wanna know day, why it's not tech? Da- Damon. Damon. It's, it's not tech because tech is uh, confusing. There is a command in Linux called tech. So when you say tech... I, you have to use context clues to figure out what you're talking about. Is it hard to do that? No. But tack has an equivalent and dash does not. Maybe it does. I don't know. Tack. Surely there's, there's... Right. But tack comes in pretty much every system that comes with cat and cat comes with Actually, every you're system. all wrong. The A-T so, is diphthong pronounced ah. So it's damon. Nope. That's, that's incorrect as well. Win. It is demon. And then disdain for cherry blue switches is the correct response to cherry blue switches. So, uh, nope. yeah, I just, I, I can't. Let's can't take it easy wrong. on poor Tony and even. keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And speaking of kicking it old school, the easiest way to run an encrypted system is what I have done and currently do with Linux laptops. When you are partitioning the disk, you put the slash boot on a thumb drive. Then you Lux encrypt everything on the hard drive. So you stick the thumb drive in the port and boot. Once the system comes up, you have an S99U mount or rc.local script that unmounts the thumb drive. And you can pull it out and pocket it. I usually have two copies. DD works great for this. And I keep one copy on my keyring. Just make sure that you mount it as slash boot before doing an upgrade so the kernel and its accoutrements get installed. Accoutrement. <laughs> yeah, and um, that I know other people have been asking about how to do this with a thumb drive so that you can log in. So that's a really good information to have out there. And it's a good idea on how to set it up. 
And uh, all of my French was learned from Dexter's Laboratory, where he said, uh, omelette du fromage. I know that is not correct, but I just, you know, that's, that's, that's better the than learning of my your Spanish from King of the Hill. Oh, God. He just sent me a message. I'll teach you some, some choice words. All right. Another one from Brad. Uh, y'all want to wanna take that one? Okay. I'll do this one again, too. That's um, right. That's right. Brad Alexander said, um, I run Devon. Is that the correct pronunciation? Devon? I, I guess it is. That's how I was De- saying Devon? it all on Linux user space the other day. So Okay. I run it on my wife's desktop because she has a TV capture card in her machine. And none of the TV watching apps were comparable, in her opinion, to TV time. So she had me switch her back. I put her on Debian, but got tired of System D not loading the TV capture card firmware or getting caught in a reboot loop when I tried to reboot, forcing me to hit the power or reset button. For my work laptop, we can fill out paperwork to run non-standard configurations, like Linux. But we run apps and tools that don't support FreeBSD. So Devwan, it is. My goal is to keep my home network as systemd-free as possible. Uh, another one of those purists. Well, he was the one with, uh, he, he always talks to us about ZFS and FreeBSD and whatnot, so I can totally get that. All right, next up, Sid32 from Reddit said, hey, more info on my FTP setup. So he had uh, written in telling me that uh, AirDroid is dead uh, and that is a sad day because I really liked AirDroid, but he did give us uh, some information about Join. So this is a little bit more on that. He says, I use Join to send a command to my phone, which is usually charging across the room. The command tells Tasker to use an intent to open my FTP server on my phone and then messages Join back with the IP address, which also works as confirmation that it worked. If I send a B in the message, it will close the FTP server after three minutes. If I don't use B, it will stay open forever. You might already be halfway there if you use Mix Explorer or Amaze on your phone. You do need the Join app or the Chrome extension and Tasker to do this. But Join also sends your SMS messages and other notifications to my PC, so it's super handy. Here are the commands to start the FTP servers in Tasker. And he has a link down here that we'll have in the show notes. Uh, P.S. Banana Studios, and it's on sale for like a buck, makes the best FTP and SSH server. Amaze is okay and open source, and Mixplorer is on GitHub and pretty full-featured. I know some people like Solid Explorer, but I can't find any intents for it. So this is something that I want to look uh, look more into because I've got this, I've just got this Nexus 7 not doing a whole heck of a lot. Uh, it used to be my Dogecoin wallet uh, until I moved it to a little more secure spot. And um, yeah, yeah, so this is, this is something I'll be looking into a little bit and more. And now Thanks. it's time for the John Wallace time. saga. Ah, it's a two-part. <laughs> so he says, hello, Leo. My next question is on firewall rule creation. And Joe, I think um, you might want to chime in on this one because we were talking about IP tables the other day, though I don't think I'll recommend IP tables in general. But I'm he not says, an expert. Well, neither am I. So prompted by the Fortress Linux article in the latest issue of Linux Format Magazine, good magazine, by the way, under GUFW, I have looked at the report section and can see CUPS and Avahi and Network Manager listed. The article advises not to worry about CUPS and Avahi. Should I create a rule for Network Manager? This is showing in my report section. Um, I don't know why Network Manager would be showing up in your firewall, though. What is Network Manager doing? That okay, so I think um, that's really my question. What what port is Network Manager running on, 
And what the heck is it doing? I don't know that I have Network Manager running for me. So I do uh, usually do something like SS-L to kind of get an idea of, you know, what's running on my machine. And I mean, you got, you know, uh, listening on port 53, listening on uh, Avahi and MDNS. I don't know. By default, Network Manager is not listening uh, in my... uh, it's just not listening to anything. So I'm not sure if, if you have more information on that one, John, I would like to hear it um, because I don't know. And, and you know, as far as Cups and Avahi go, Avahi is used for Warpinator. So if you use that, leave that alone. Um, and Cups is obviously used for printing. So if you have like a printer that you're sharing or something like that, you might want to leave that one uh, alone as well. Um, Joe, any advice? No, I don't know enough about the situation to tell you anything. Yeah. So my advice for this one is don't worry about what network manager is listening for. I would do the reverse. Uh, if, if you are worried about your security, I would take the firewall and turn it on to the public profile. And that will basically default it to ignore anything anybody is asking you from outside of your machine. That way, it's basically a deny all. I don't want to hear from you. Then you can go in and say, oh, by doing that, network manager is now broken or something. So you can go in and whitelist that particular port. Uh, it, uh, whitelist your firewall to listen to that port. That's really the only way that, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, th- that's how I would set it up. Set it up to where it blocks everything and then pick and choose what you want to allow it to listen to. But if, you're, if you are concerned about the network manager, send me some more info and I will help you out with that. So there's a second uh, bit to this, and he ended up emailing during the show, so I'll kind of continue on. Anyway, he says, thank you for your helpful advice on the latest show. The photo show, this photo shows an error that is encountered on my wife, Julie's Linux Mint laptop running 20.1. The message occurs after entering the user account password and before the desktop completes loading. Julie's laptop is fully patched. I would appreciate your assistance with getting this resolved, please. So I won't have the image in the show notes, but I will have the text of the image, and it says... Error found when loading Etsy profile. Etsy profile line 29, Etsy profile permission denied. As a result, the session will not be configured correctly. You should fix the problem as soon as is feasible. So my first thought was it said permission denied. So, you know, just check the permissions on that particular file. And it should be root and root owns it, root group owns it. And then it should be read, write, read, read. So 644. Um, he did uh, send that back to me and say, yep, that, that it is configured that way. So then the next logical step is to go look at what line 29 was. And it turned out he send, sent me a, um, he sent me the XC profile file. I looked in it. Line 29 was a, uh, uh, what it looked like to me was that this was a command that was gotten off of a website that was telling you how to add a don't save core dumps. Um, just, just take any core dump that you have and pipe that to dev null. That way you just never save it. Um, but instead of running the command, I think he put the command directly into the Etsy profile file, and that's why it was complaining. So it was basically uh, echo ulimit dash big S dash little c zero, which is, uh, you know, take your core dumps and then um, move that to dev null and include any errors into that as well. But then it tries to add that to the Etsy profile file. And well, you don't have permissions to do that. So what I asked him to do was just um, comment out that line and reboot. And it seems like that fixed the issue. 
So um, if he wanted to do that, I've got a uh, I've got the command to do that, which is just take away all the extra stuff except for the u limit command, uh, and then uh, sending that to dev null. So uh, a couple of ways to do that. Anyway, so he wrote back and said, uh, Leo, thank you, much appreciated. I removed the offending line and rebooted. Julie is now happy. Um, he also notes that uh, he've cre- he's created a Vento USB drive with seven Linux ISOs on it. And it sounds like those are working for him. So awesome. All right. Next up, Moss. And Highlander writes, It is important to say that this message has already been sent to a multitude of locations around the world. So with that out of the way, it is hoped that the Linux community sees the value of the experience imparted here. March 14th, 2021 was a weird morning for a few reasons. This morning, I tried to log in, use my computer, and got thrown into a login feedback loop. I had several theories why this has happened, but no proof to show the real cause for this problem. So I decided to hold back my theories and just show you what I faced, how I responded, and the results. Perhaps the Linux community can figure out what the cause actually was. I tried to boot to the desktop environment of my Linux Mint 19.3 32-bit system. What I got was a login feedback loop. The code was accepted, but I was instantly logged back out again. I was essentially locked out of my system even though the operating system accepted my code. I seriously considered the nuke and pave option to restore access to my machine, but I wasn't in any hurry to gain access, and I had another I had other operating systems that were still installed and working properly on my multi-boot hard drive. So I booted into Kali Linux. It showed me that the partitions on my hard drive were still intact and the personal data was still retrievable. So I still held off longer before executing the nuke and pave option. I took a break for a few hours and decided to use the advanced boot options for Linux Mint. I chose the most recent prior version of the bootloader. It booted me directly into the command line. I used the login credentials I knew from my administrator user account. After login, I used the command ls to check and see if the file folder structure was still there. It was. All my file folders showed up on the screen inside this command line interface. I recalled the experience I've had with using Kali Linux. So with that knowledge, I entered in the commands I thought may help fix this login feedback loop. I connected my machine to the internet through the USB port. Then I entered in some commands, sudo apt-get update. The update was done. Then I entered in this command, sudo apt-get dist upgrade. The upgrade failed. Then I entered in this command, sudo apt-clean. Then I retried this, retried this command, sudo apt-get dist upgrade. The upgrade was done. Then the distro itself recommended that I enter in this command, sudo apt auto remove. I entered the command. It took about 40 minutes to complete the execution of that command. Then I rebooted my machine and tried a normal GUI boot up. I entered in my password for the administrator user account. The machine booted into the desktop environment. I immediately tried an update through the regular updater. It reported that I needed to change mirrors, so I did. Tried the update again and found that no further updates are required at this time. I hope this helps the Linux community. So by booting into Kali, it sounded like he was updating Kali and not the original machine. So maybe it was just the reboot. No, no, I thought he was using Kali just to check and see if the file structure was still there. And it was. And then he went back and um, dropped a command line and performed the upgrade, and then that fixed his issue. 
Well, th- that that makes me wonder because he didn't say something like, you know, I went to TTY1 or whatever, and then I logged in, and no. then I did this update or whatever, but it sounded like it was all done, that was all done in Kali. No, um, he had tried to reboot again. Huh, okay. But well, anyways, I mean, no, that 40 minutes to uh, run the app auto-remove, ooh. Um, that's a lot of old kernels yeah maybe he had a whole boatload of uh, extra kernels there and sometimes especially if you're using um, well with certain distros it'll generate its own partition for that and if that fills up you can have boot up problems but it shouldn't have happened at the login stage I don't think yeah no Uh, the only thing I can think is just to check the journal I mean now that you're logged into the thing just run uh journal control journal ctl and do a well yeah journal ctl and that that will give you the log and then you'll just scroll back yeah until the until the approximate time that it happened and just kind of do do a grep for error and if that doesn't get what you what you want do a grep for fail and different things like that yeah, what, what I'll do is uh, I'll figure out the command because you can use journal control and then you can specify a date range. And uh, that, I think, is what I'll put in the show notes. So uh, just in case you want to go back and look, you can do so. But that's really the only place that I could see that it would do anything, that it would you know give any kind of indication as to what happened because, uh, you know, login attempts, they're logged. So, yeah, you'll you will likely see at least some indication as to what was going wrong. Uh, I don't know that you'll see what went right after the fact unless you also look in that date range when it did work. But eh, either way, you can do some investigating, but maybe not a lot of answers. We'll see. All right. Well, that's it for feedback. So we'll mosey into check this out. All right, Tony, what do you got? Yeah, well, this is more of a public service announcement for our friends over at Hacker Public Radio. Uh, They've recently put out a call for shows because the uh, queue of shows was getting a bit low. It's filled up a little bit, but uh, they're always looking for new hosts, as they call them. So uh, if you're looking to uh, dip your toes into the podcasting waters, uh, maybe consider recording a show for HPR. It's how I got into podcasting originally, and it's a great way to do it. You don't have to do anything posh. You can record it on your mobile phone, whatever you want. Uh, You don't have to edit it. You don't have to put the uh, bumpers in at the beginning or the end. They do all that for you. So if you go to the website, there's uh, information on the website on how to uh, post a show and uh, what topics uh, you can talk about and that kind of stuff. So give it a shot. And if you heard about that here, you might as well let us know that you're going to do that. And, uh, yeah, we can can blast that out for you. Look out for my new show, Endeavor to be Great, coming soon to HPR. (laughs) (laughs) My competing show, uh, Endeavor Endeavor. That's it. (laughs) The Endeavor Endeavor. I found the most incredibly calm but hilarious YouTube video ever. The link is in the show notes. It is a way to meditate while setting up your new Pixel 5. And you you can ask Josh. He was rolling earlier watching this. He he only got to watch about half of it. He couldn't stand it anymore. Uh, It's incredible. I only only finished about like 
maybe like a minute of it and uh, I was just done. I, I couldn't or else I would have been laughing the whole show. So the link is in the show notes. Please help yourself. is we only ever have one announcement except for today and today the announcement is ubuntu 2104 testing week is coming up starts on april 1st so if you are interested in testing out that new kernel or testing out that new software or testing out anything that will eventually at least in some ways flow down to linux mint because the bits that are in 2104 are going to, I mean, not, not the version numbers, but that version of Ubuntu affects 2204 in some ways. So 2204 is what Linux Mint will be based on uh, in a year or so. Really? They're starting it on April Fool's Day? You can help shape Linux Mint and Ubuntu's future. So They could what? at least have announced it was uh, testing they for 2304. Are. They absolutely you know? are. Because why not, right? Yeah, they're going to get so many joke things. <laughs> so uh, thanks to Yusuf Phillips for letting us know about that one. Anyway, our next episode will be at 2 p.m. Central U.S. time on April 4th, 2021. Click on the link in the show notes to get that time converted to your local time. Yay! And it'll be back to normal Yay. UK time of 8 oh, p.m. Yay. See, Tony, you should have... <laughs> All right, so uh, that'll do it for the show. So, Joe, where can we get more of you? Well, you can catch me on a couple of my other shows. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, and that's at uh, www.tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast, www.linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email, jb at mintcast.org. Bo, what about you? I just want to encourage people to check out Josh and I's new show um, about Linux gaming, Crowbar Kernel Panic. I've gotten through the first two. First episode was great. I listened you, to yep, Number two is queued up really for me, too. really appreciate it. Oh, you're going yeah, to love number two. And there's only two. So you're caught up. Yeah, you're all caught up. I really appreciate that, guys. Moss, what about you? Well, you can find me at It's Moss, the website. MeWe, several blogs. My music's on Bandcamp and on various YouTube channels. I'm on Mastodon at Zyvala at hosttux.social. Uh, you can email me at Zyvalananda at protonmail.ch. I have a sponsor that is going great guns. I am appreciating all the help I'm getting. And there are links to all those things in the show notes. There are a lot more links than there are words sometimes. Tony, what about you? You can find me on Hacker Public Radio. I'm host ID 338. I've got my occasional blog, which... Uh, isn't very occasional at the moment because I haven't done anything for ages, but it's uh, Tony Dashews at blogspot.com. I'm on Twitter at TonyH1212. I'm on I'm TH at mintcast.org for email and distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. And Tony Watts here. Tony Watts is not here this time, but you can get him at TW at mintcast.org or just search him up, Echoes of Savages. Josh, what about you? Uh, you can check me and Bo out on um, Crowbar Kernel Panic, like he mentioned. Uh, you can also email me at um, joshontech at mintcast.org. I think. I'm not sure if that works yet, but hopefully. Um, you can also find me at Josh on Tech on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. Mike, what about you? 
You can email me at grouchym at pm.me. Or like I was saying last episode, feel free to hit me up on Discord at grouchym. I'm always happy to completely stop doing my work and chat with people. <laughs> Do that too much, man. <laughs> As for me, leochavez.org and at leochavez on Twitter, at leo at c.im on Mastodon, linuxuserspace.show is another show that I do, and Full Circle Weekly News as well. But before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing, Josh Lowe for all his work on the website, Hobstar for our logo, and Londoner for our time sync, Bitemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org, and our Mumble server, Archive.org for hosting our audio files, HPR for our backup Mumble room, and of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Clem. Thanks, Clem. Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Mint. What? What? No, 40? 40?